Right, it's week two, January 2023. We are two two brands down, aren't we, into product launch season. And uh, it's the fourth, the fourth episode of the year already of all the gear. Uh, I am Tom Irwin, and I'm joined by our equipment editor, Hannah Holden, and our assistant equipment editor, Two Jobs Blackhouse, who has joined us this year. Uh, he doesn't say much on these podcasts, but, you know, maybe he'll grow into it. Uh, he's a qualified PGA pro. Uh, and together we've been trying to review all of the new product that's coming to market this year. And we've made it through Callaway and Paradigm through that serious step change. And then today we've had Cobra and their Aerojet drivers, fairways and irons, which are fast, man, aren't they? You nearly fell in love with that Aerojet fairway in Portugal. I did, yeah. People are loving the Aerojet content as well, aren't they? they there are is interest sp- in the Cobra. They are speedy. So that's the thing, aren't they? People like a bit of speed. Uh, and today, so today we're focused on the next product up, which is TaylorMade's new range of Stealth 2 drivers, fairways, irons. Part of me feels like they should have just called it Stealthier. Stealthier. <laughs> Stealthiest. Yeah, that, that'd be next year's, wouldn't it? Stealthiest. Yeah. yeah. Stealthier still. Uh, so we're going to have a deep dive into the technology in Stealth 2, how it's moved on from Stealth, what the key components are, what the advantages are for you, the golfer. We've hit uh, the different iterations of the product, so we've got a fair idea of the differences. And we've spoken to uh, an R&D chap from TaylorMade, whose name is? Tom Bystead. So he's head of R&D for Melwoods. Who o what's did? Tom Bystead. Nope. Again. Can you not hear me, or can you just not understand? I can hear Bystead, but before that, I can't hear what word you're saying. It sounds like one word when you say it. I I think it's Tomo Bystead. Yeah, correct. Tomo Bystead. Yeah. Okay. Your name, but with an O on the end. Right. My name followed by somewhere in Surrey. Okay. So we've spoken to Tomo Bystead, uh, who is an R&D director at TaylorMade. And I think... uh, there are certain brands, aren't they, that when there's a launch, it's a big bang launch. Callaway certainly achieved that with Paradigm last week. Uh, and TaylorMade will be similarly loud tomorrow, I would think. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that they stuck with the stealth branding, all joking aside, that it's, this product is very much a development of the previous iteration of stealth, um, which is slightly different from the approach Callaway have taken. Paradigm is a name that is deliberately letting us know that it's changed the game from their previous product. Um, what is true of... But TaylorMade kind of always do that. Like, if you think about their past products, like you had M1, M2 one year, and then like M3, M4, and then they moved on to Sim, and then like Sim 2. So they always, although they release products every year, they always have like two years of the same, that kind of story, and the second year is like a improvement on like the first product rather than like a completely new idea. Yeah. They don't always do it, do they? But that, I mean, that is a good... A in the recent years. So it's a development on last year's product. Um, similar to uh, a lot of the tech stories this year, carbon is a massive part of it, right? I mean, it's the, it's the carbon wood. So, yeah. <laughs> it now yeah, has it... 50% more carbon than titanium. Fun fact. Stealth 2 does? Yes. Um, and we've all sort of started talking about carbon like we know all about it haven't we as if like we're like proper engineers 
Yeah. I think we all talk about carbon as the same thing as well, that they use different types of carbon and they structure it in different ways to do different things in different parts of the club head. So although you can say like, oh, the face is made of carbon, the crown is made of carbon, the soul is made of carbon, like a lot of them are completely different structures of carbon and like built differently. Because obviously there's so much more impact on a face like compared to a crown and there's more on the soul compared to the crown. So they have to be built differently. Right. And it's, it's a metal and everyone, we're now supposed to say, metals aren't we the new range of tailor-made metals as opposed to woods but we all still say woods really even though they haven't been made for woods and made out of wood for an awful long time um be the norm. so given that this sort of part of the focus of this is the carbonness of the stealthiest or the stealthier driver um i've got a quick quiz for you excellent God. When, what year do you think the first steel shafted driver was made legal uh, wood was made legal by the rna i feel like i should know this as well because i did all that like tailor-made timeline of different drivers last year so i've been involved in a few podcast quizzes and i have to say a fast game is a good game because the thinking pauses they don't do anything for the listener <laughs> so steel shaft from wooden shaft right yeah. so the rna the rna they're a governing body based in scotland they're in charge oh, yeah, of the, yeah. the rules of the game these days alongside the USGA. Right. What year did they make steel shafted golf clubs legal? It's the countdown theme tune again. It's always on this. What? Nah, later than that. Sorry, what? I said 946. I have no idea. I'm just taking puns. Later than that. 1975. You're miles out. 1929. What? 75? Is that what you said? As if they've been using wooden shafts. Oh yeah. Uh, right. So this this is interesting, right? This is this is interesting. Okay. So what year do you think graphite shafts were made legal? And the gap between one and the next thing is interesting. So this is when it was made legal, not when people like actually started using it more. One and the same thing, isn't it? People aren't just going around using illegal drivers. No, um, but I mean, it doesn't mean that it was like super popular just because. Eighty-three. And it. Mm, 85 no 1972 yeah, so ha- that, that is that is a lot of years in it so 2972 is 43 years of anybody's money yep. that's an awfully long time between one technolo- technological development and the next isn't it yeah that's as old as me nearly slightly younger than me so what year was the first metal wood i knew he was going to ask this Metal-headed so this was, wood. This was yeah. where my yeah. first idea was more coming from. Uh, what year was the first metal-headed metal, to be more accurate? Uh, 1978. Yeah, 72. So you're getting better now. 79. Ooh. Right, and you'll that also... You'll also know... Correct. That was my bonus question. That's so annoying. So you'll notice that the technological gap in terms of years was was much smaller. Yes. So we're trying to... Like, the evolution of golf clubs is getting... Okay, isn't it? More money in the game, more R and D. Supercomputers. <laughs> we haven't got the supercomputers <laughs> yet. Uh, right, okay. And then, what about first titanium-headed metal? Ninety-three. And I say a number. Ninety-five. Nineteen ninety. Name the manufacturer. Oh, no, Mizuno. Really? In Japan, and then the first manufacturer in the states was McGregor. This was but then it was. Section. 
it was made famous by uh, Callaway, wasn't it? So actually the success of the Big Bertha, I think, kept a lot of the big manufacturers away from titanium probably longer than they should have been. And then it was 1994 when you got into things like Great Big Bertha. I raise it because I was looking at this, trying to get ready for this podcast, but the kind of evolution of materials in metal heads, like what it's made of and how they use what it's made of effectively is really what makes these step changes in in drivers right yeah so we so we're now all whapping on about carbon um like we're expert engineers so what is our kind of layman's layman's understanding of why carbon's good well carbon is 33 percent lighter than titanium so it means in the areas where you don't want weight such as like in a driver really high up because that's really annoying you want like the weight low so you can have like carbon crowns you're saving weight at the top which means you can put one more weight down at the bottom also yeah. like well, it's really strong so structurally that's good um i feel like those are the main ones okay what did tomo have to say about it he had lots to say about it should have a listen the carbon wood story is back can you explain to us why carbon is like such a great material to use in golf clubs and why we're seeing a lot more of it in drivers currently um yeah so carbon is is really good for clubs because it's um fundamentally because it's light and strong and you can also you can also use it in different ways so the even though i would say carbon is not good for everything in golf clubs um we have made it work for a lot of things right so obviously traditional traditionally you'd say struck like as a structural element Carbon's great, light and strong crowns, then sole panels. And obviously the face thing was tricky because of the impact of, with the ball. And, and that's not typically what carbon is used for, but that's a kind of a hurdle that we overcame um, using our pretty unique 60 layer construction. So um, yeah, but it comes to, it comes back to the fact that it's, it's, it's a really strong material. And obviously with golf clubs um, being able to, to free up weight um, is really important because you know, you want weight to be in certain places. And if you have the opportunity to take weight away from this place and put it somewhere else, you can make a club perform better. And, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. And and in the case of the face, um, there's a unique situation with um, the impact of the ball, the flexibility of the face, and, and there's a benefit to the face being lighter for ball speed. Uh, and ultimately that's what we use it for, for the face as well. And that's kind of what I would say, what differentiates us from other people potentially about with the use of carbon is that we also use it on the face, obviously, but all the other places it's about freeing up weight and being able to relocate the uh, mass. So there are lots of different types of carbon in different areas of the club head. Why is this? Well, the, the sort of raw material of carbon is actually not that different. Uh, it's really more how you kind of put it together. So, um, I mean, there are slightly different grades of carbon for sure. Um, depending on kind of what the usage need. But basically, carbon is, is like I said, really light and strong. Um, and it's sort of, the de reason it's different in different places is because of what the uh, usage is in that space. So for example, in the crown, as we talked about earlier, you don't really want a lot of weight there. So you want that carbon panel to be as, as thin as possible, while obviously still being durable. So in, in our case of our, of our driver, we use, only six layers of carbon on the top. So it's six um, 
thin sheets of carbon that are uh, compression molded together and that's kind of forms the crown and that makes a really light and strong crown on the sole you want a bit more material because there you, you're going to have more impact with the ground potentially the 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 t actually flicks up into the sole quite frequently when you hit the ball uh, off a t um and then obviously if you want to hit you know driver off the deck or anything like that you you need to have some extra strength in the sole panel so that's a nine layer panel for us so again everybody do will do that a little differently but for us that's nine layers just to make sure we have that strength in there and the weight's a little bit less critical it's still nice to have a light sole but it's less critical than having a super light crown and then finally on the face well now you're talking about the an area of the club that's going to get directly impacted by the ball um the force there is something like 30,000 G's. So it's an extremely violent collision with the ball. And if you had a, a, a crown panel, nine layer, a six layer or nine layer sole panel in there, that thing would shatter in one swing. So you'd obviously need something much, much stronger in there. And that's how we developed the 60 layer face. So that's 10 times more layers of carbon that's in the crown of the club. Now these layers that we use there are actually half the thickness of the ones that we use in the crown. So that's a slightly different type of carbon there. Um, and it has a very specific layup, meaning that the layers of carbon have a have a direction to them. And then so we lay them up in different directions to provide the maximum amount of strength, um, the right kind of the right amount of flexibility. So the flexibility needs to be there to get the the ball speed out of it. So so it's really again, it's it's really what that part of the club is is being used for. And the stresses that it comes under essentially is is what we're trying to to design for. Uh, so in all of this kind of carbon, carbon age is it was kind of lost on me that the the face of the tailor-made is also carbon most of the others are just carbon crowns aren't they yeah the so face what... was like it was quite hard to make it carbon because obviously there's so much more impact that goes into the club face than the rest of the club heads so they've had to like layer 60 different sheets of carbon in different like like directions over the top of each other to get it to be strong enough to like resist the impact of a golf ball essentially okay. he said like if if you use the same carbon in the crown or that's on the sole in the club first it would shatter after one shot so that presumably is making the the top part of the club head even lighter still which gives them much more flexibility in terms of weight elsewhere i guess um the other thing that i guess that is worth talking about is the is the face because it is different thicknesses all across it isn't it um and we talked a little bit about this last week in uh, in our sort of um, futuristic podcast about what we would do if we could design golf clubs ourselves. And we got into kind of the increased personalization that you're seeing in uh, drivers these days. So first of all, in adjustability and and now in this kind of um, this face technology, which is allowing for different different thicknesses um, in different parts of the face, which might, may, may suit different players. And that that to me is really interesting because it's of it's got that natural progression to it as in you can see what it's doing now but you can also see what it might do in the future um how is what taylor made are doing different from anyone else well the biggest thing would be their twist face so obviously they have a different well not obviously but they have a different 3d geometry so the face is slightly twisted so if you hit it out of the toe or the heel there shouldn't be as much gear effect because they're almost like rotated in towards the target slightly and then on top of that, they have like something called inverted cone technology, which is 
more similar to what other people use where kind of the center and the outside of the face are different thicknesses so you kind of get a more consistent ball speed if you're hitting it across different areas of the club face yeah and they can shift that around depending on whether it's a draw bias or a low spin head right yeah so you touched on something there um in twist face so that is now in its kind of fifth year um so presumably started life in the m range did it of some description yeah i'm pretty sure it was the m3 and the m4 okay so and we this is again like it's been a bit of a theme um of these discussions we've been having about technologies or bits of kit within kit that stand the test of time people were pretty skeptical about twist face when it first came out it was one of these things that people were saying what on earth is that about um and i think it took people a while to understand it but it's now if it's now in its fifth year it's obviously working for people They're all, and taylor made obviously think it's working they're not going to keep it in clubs that tiger and rory are using if they don't like it are they no but it, it's, it is an interesting point, again, from a sort of marketing story. To me, I've just been writing about um, a product which is definitely sort of iterative. And it, I think it, it does build confidence from a consumer point of view if something, if something stays for more than one or two years. It's obviously something fundamentally good about it. Um, and Twist Face, yeah, like I say, when it first came out, I think people were sceptical. So it's interesting that that's kind of been built on with inverted cone. Third cone's been in for ages as well. Like that's one of the even older technologies. Theories is that from? Don't ask me these questions. I just know they've been using it for ages. You made you made you literally made a sixteen page mini mag about TaylorMade this time last year. Surely they must have covered the inverted cone. Do you know how many golf clubs I have reviewed since then? Also, why is it called inverted cone? Because like who used to say what way up the cone was in the first place? Because it's like thinner in the middle rather than torn up taller in the middle like a cone is. I see what you mean, yeah. Oh, so it's not an upside down cone. It's inverted cone. All I can think of is Tom Cruise in Top Gun saying we were inverted. That's in the first one though, so you probably haven't watched it. Uh, anyway, should we hear what Tomo's got to say about it? When it comes to that club first, I think there's so much technology packed in there and like a lot of people recognize like the twist face and the new carbon story mm -hmm. but sometimes the stuff such as like the inverted cone technology gets forgotten about could yeah. you explain a bit about what that is and how it helps performance so 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 the reason we we use technologies like inverted cone where it's essentially a um a thicker section in the middle and a thinner section on the outside uh is because we want to kind of modulate or we want to control the, the amount of ball speed we're delivering uh on shots that are not in the center face. And so uh, one of the unique things also that we're doing with inverted cone is we're actually making it where the middle of the thickest sp spot is not exactly in the middle of the face. And, and by doing that, we're actually controlling um, speed better for the sections that are typically slower, like the heel of the club. So um, it's a very important part. We, we, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of uh, analysis on that part of the face of like how thick every, every section exactly should be to optimize what we get out of it but it's it's an important part of again um improving performance for people who are not going to hit the center face every time i'm sorry i'm going to go back to this inverted cone description so if you've got an ice cream cone which is the only sort of cone i can think of not a traffic um, cone all right if you've got a traffic cone and you're holding it so the fat bits in your hand right and then you push the bottom up through the middle yeah. So it's inverted. Then you've then just got a traffic cone that's the right way up. Don't understand 
how it distributes weight around the face of a golf club. I, I'm still confused about which way you're moving your cone. I just don't, how do you invert a cone? Because if you invert a cone, you just end up with a cone that's the other way up. But I think you're what... saying it's like the opposite of a cone, not not the way you're thinking like... about pushing it in the other direction. What's the cone look like? I guess what they mean is that if you have a point where the sweet spot is in the middle, that's like the top of the cone. But then if you push the cone the other way up, then the sweet the sweet spot goes around the outside. I think that might be what it means. I think we should move on from the inverted cone thing. Let's move on. Um, so there are three different models of the, the Stealth 2, the Stealthier 2, the right. Stealthier TaylorMade driver. There is the HD, which is the high draw, most forgiving Rory. HD stands for high and draw, basically. Yeah, or just high draw. I hit the Stealth 2, which is the Stealth 2. That's and then... just the Stealth 2. That's the one that's going to suit the most people. It just like sits in the middle. It's and still designed to be very forgiving. And then there's the other one, which is the low spinning driver, which is called Stealth 2 Plus. So can you explain to me why Stealth 2 Plus has a name, Stealth 2 HD has a name, but Stealth 2 is just Stealth 2? It's just the Stealth 2, isn't it? Very confusing. Why? Well, because if you're making three things, they should all have three separate names. They should, it should, we should be able to say separate names. in the Stealth 2 family, you've got Stealth 2 1, Stealth 2 2 and Stealth 2 3. All right, bad example. Stealth 2 A, Stealth 2 B and Stealth 2 C. Not in the Stealth 2 family, you've got Stealth 2 Plus, Stealth 2 and Stealth 2 HD. I think it works just fine, actually. Well, Not you on this one. So, so do all the other brands actually, because the the Paradigm, the Paradigm X, the Paradigm Triple Diamond, the Aerojet, the Aerojet Max, and the Aerojet LS. I think yeah, they, all, they all do it, and it's very confusing when you're trying to write three reviews about the same thing. I hit the high draw actually, and I thought it was an absolute joy to hit. Uh, an absolute beast. We hit that at um, Obidos, I think, and in the middle of all the the rain and whatever the sun came out i pulled out the hydro and hit some absolute bombs and then it started raining again it was fantastic they are beautiful looking things aren't they yeah i would not hit the, like uh, the red section around the back of the club head i think that looks so good like so eye-catching i never hit the first stealth so i was um not sure what the old carbon face was actually going to feel like, but actually, although the head, the profile is pretty small, I think, on the Stealth 2, it was like, you sort of think that it's going to be unforgiving, but you sort of can hit it all over the face, and it just it goes really well. I really liked it. it? The high draw felt so easy just to slap up in the air and carry it forever. It was great. High draw weirdly went the furthest, and I asked Tom about this because... Usually if you get like a draw bias driver, it's so fo focused on like the shot shape and the forgiveness that it isn't fast. And he actually yeah. said something interesting about potentially quite a few tour players are going to be putting this in play this year, which never usually happens from a draw bias product. So I guess it shows you how good the tech is in there this year. Yeah, I um, I currently game Sim 2 um, and like Jack Sim was... 2 or the Sim 2 Max. You know all about inverted cone technology and twist face, then Tom. Exactly, yeah. I get it. Sim two max, actually. You knew that as well, but you passively aggressively corrected me. Very annoying. <laughs> uh, 
And I have to say that the acoustics of it are immense. Like it sounds like a beautiful thing. And I would say, like Jack, I was slightly worried about um, carbon and how it would feel. It's just sort of, I don't know, maybe when carbon's been used before it, you kind of get a kind of, it's quite a hard, you, you worry it's going to be quite a hard sort of feeling off the club head. And you don't, in the right setup, you don't get that with these at all. Um, so I tested the Stealth 2, not the Stealth 2 Plus or the Stealth 2 HD. Uh, and I think visually and acoustically, it's sort of, it's moved on. Um, it's great to look at. It feels really good and it sounds really good. There's, and it, it's the sort of thing, I've written this, it's the sort of thing you just stand there and want to hit harder. It kind of feels like it's asking you to hit it harder. Um, it feels really balanced and like the the faster, the harder you go at it, the better it's going to perform. I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I really liked it from a, um, yeah, I think it, I think it helps you golf because it's making you want to hit it. Um, and I can sort of see why that HD thing would be appealing because the ball flight off it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah. And also like for people who don't want the draw bias, you can always like get the loft above and like jack the loft down, which will open the face up, like neutralize the ball flight. I mean, it was draw bias, but I wouldn't say it was loads, loads draw bias. So I think it's very still manageable. I don't think I think what they've done a really I wrote this in my, when I in my review and I don't think it looks draw bias. It doesn't sit draw bias. I think it's just what they've done with the weighting and how they've angled the inverted cone in the face. Um I think they've I, been quite clever with the top lines. They've they've moved them around in the different models to make them look like they sit black hole sit square. Yeah. Is that no, right? It's, it's, Is yeah. that right? That's so clever. Like, Should we see I hit the stealth last year and like the only thing from the face that i thought wasn't quite like perfect was that it span a bit too much but this year like when i tested the two head to head like this year's face span like three to four hundred rpm less so i feel like they've really kind of improved that quite a lot what are you two laughing at <laughs> thinking about me talking about the angle of the inverted cone uh, maybe Tomo can bring some sense to this and tell us about the difference between the three different iterations. So there's three models this year. Can mm. you just run through them and explain the key differences and who might fit into like each category? Yeah, uh, for sure. So the Stealth 2, yeah, like you said, comes in three different models. The Plus model uh, is uh, our lowest spinning model. So that's the model that's going to be better suited for a higher swing speed player typically. Uh, and it has a movable weight on the sole, so it has adjustability. We have a 15 gram sliding weight on the behind the the front of the face that can go heel toe for left to right bias, and it, it depends on the player how much you're going to get. But I would say typically about 10 yards each way, roughly as a guide, would be kind of how much you're going to get from a left to right tendency uh, standpoint. Um, the um, middle model, so the, the standard Stealth Two, is your kind of all rounder. So that one has a little bit more spin than the Stealth 2 uh, Plus, but still, you know, on the lower spinning side. Uh, because again, that's what most people still need. Even if you're just an average golfer, you have average club head speed, you still need probably a lower spin than what you're currently generating because people don't typically hit up on the ball enough. Um, and it's going to be very forgiving. It's got a lot of, lot of weight at the back. So we've gone from 15 grams in the back to 25 in the gram, grams in the back on the Stealth 2. And then on the Stealth 2 HD, 
That one is going to be designed for a high draw, hence the HD name. That one is the most forgiving club in the lineup. We put 30 grams in the back of that. It's super forgiving, super stable, and it's also designed to go more left. So that thing has draw bias built into it. In our testing, we're seeing approximately 15 yards more left than the standard Stealth 2 model. Again, your mileage may vary a little bit depending on your swing and your speed and everything else, but it's definitely going to go more left than the other two models, and it's going to go a little higher with a bit more spin. And the goal there is to keep the ball in the air a bit longer, increase your carry distance, hopefully. Um, so that's kind of the difference from a from a kind of a skill level standpoint. It would typically bracket in for the plus being for the better player, for the core model being for really for everyone. We're going to see those in play on tour, and we're also going to have them with beginners. And then also with the HD, I would say skews to that higher handicap player. What I found interesting in testing was sometimes you find the draw model isn't as long as other ones because it's trying to be forgiven and trying to shape more. Mm -hmm. But this year, the HD was really fast. Right. Was that like intentional? Yeah, so I think part of the the goal, yeah, it's a, it's a good observation, Hannah, because we sometimes, um, you know, when 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 companies design a draw model or an HD model, they, they will just try to make the ball go up in the air as much as they can and add a bunch of spin and it just goes shorter, right? And that doesn't really benefit that player all the time. So what we try to make sure is even though you can get the ball up in there, it's still long and it's still fast. So we don't necessarily. So one of the things, for example, that we do is we use the same face uh, design in the Stealth 2 and the Stealth 2 HD. It doesn't have a different face design. So when you see that carbon face, it's actually the same face. So they have the same speed. Um, so it's going to be fast. And obviously, if you have the benefit of being able to turn it over more, sometimes you can you can actually hit it farther, right? So a lot of people will actually hit the HD farther. Um, and we have had situations where good players, um, and we actually are testing with some tour players right now that um, will probably play the HD. But for that reason, because they they find it easier to turn over and that they can get a little bit more run out and actually hit it farther. So um, we don't tend to, I would say, we don't want to handicap that HD model by going shorter. So we definitely try to make it go far. And for some players, it is going to go farther than the other two. Well, there was three of us testing that one model. I think we were all fighting for it at the end of the week. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting because I think in the past, you know, in the past every year, we have like one or two guys on tour that are playing the HD or, or are testing HD. And um, and I think this year, to your point, we might have a few more. Um, I'm hearing some early rumblings about some players that I can't unfortunately talk about uh, that we're going to be signing that uh, are probably going to play HD. So that's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, it's it's going to definitely, uh, I would say, validate that line as, as again, being a serious line of clubs and it's not again it's not necessarily just training wheels it's definitely something that is just offering a different type of performance and if that works better for your game that's what you should be playing breaking news who, who do you think that is tom kim new players to team tailor who hits it low who wants a high draw who it's a low scuddy cut bitsy john ram <laughs> um not John Rahm, for God's sake. Um, no, no one's ever described John Rahm's ball flies low and scuddy before, have they? No. He's about 100 under par for the last two, months, two weeks. So are the um, all three heads the same weight, do you think, in total? Or do you think the uh, the plus is actually heavier? 
No, cool beds are always the same weight. And that's uh, is that an RNA rule, is it? Uh, I don't think it is. I think it's just the most like efficient way of like making the goal cut. Like there isn't actually a weight limit. You because I went up to the RNA testing center in summer and it's quite interesting because they have some like really heavy club heads, and if you swing them like the it's really a lot easier to control them and like almost keep them in the right slot, but you obviously can't move them as quick. So they haven't limited the weight limit of a driver because they don't think it's an advantage. They don't think having a heavier club is like advantages you in any way. Even, even after the discussion of mass that we had last week. Yeah. It's, it's because no... you physically can't move it. Right. But surely that's the whole point of getting stronger so you can move something heavier and therefore hit it further. Well, yeah, but currently there isn't. It's not that limited. So I would have thought that this plus, obviously, it's interesting because he was talking about where they're moving the weight. I would have thought the plus, as it's a low spinner, probably designed for someone with a faster swing, maybe slightly heavier than the high draw would be lighter, as it's generally going to be for someone who slices it, who's going to swing a bit slower. But you're it's saying that's... about where the weight's located in the head and like how they swing where the clubs, they can make it feel lighter, even though it isn't. Right. Like you get the low spin from having the weight forward and low. Yeah, but you can't. You, Jack's Jack's point is correct, isn't it? Because you can add to that with a heavy shaft. That's going to spin less, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but the heads are all the same in theory, weight-wise. Yeah. Um, is Tom? Uh, that's all Tom had to say, isn't it? Uh, we spoke about a few different things. What is MOI? Why is it important? Oh yeah. What is COR? Yeah. What is COR? All these terms that people like throw around during like equipment launch season. Does anyone actually know what they mean? Why don't you test me and Jack? <laughs> what does MOI stand for? Presumably it stands for moment of inertia. Correct. I don't know what moment of inertia means. <laughs> <laughs> well, is MOI, MOI is the one they talk about for forgiveness and COR is the one they talk about for um, ball speed. Correct. COR must mean something like, what does COR mean? Coefficient of resolution. Right. Are you any the wiser? No. No. It's quite fun to be on this end of the quiz. What else is there? The CG, isn't there? Yeah. Centre of gravity, that one. Correct. That one's easy. I'm on board with that one, I get that. They're trying to get the centre of gravity lower. Pretty much, yeah. And forward if it's low spinning and backwards if it's higher launching. Higher yeah. Um, I'm not. Yeah, the other stuff, unclear. Should we have a listen to what he has to say? I think that would probably be a good idea, yeah. You touched on COR there. Can you explain to like the average consumer what that means? Yeah, so COR is kind of tricky, but it's basically the uh, translation between clubhead speed to ball speed, right? So it's uh, how much of the clubhead speed that you generate uh, can be translated by the club into ball speed. So it's the, uh, so that's kind of what it, what it does. And our, our goal is obviously to make that um, collision as efficient as possible. Um, and that's what we refer to with when we say sort of uh, better 
energy transfer or um, better CR is, is is that ability for especially again on off center hits when when you have a center hit dead center hit it's going to be you're going to be really bumping up against limitations from a uh, a rule standpoint but anything that's off center that we going to fall below that's when we try to optimize and make sure that you're getting as much as possible well that didn't really work did it because you never asked him about moi or cog or anything like that i did ask him about cor i never said i asked him about cg i, I think i did forget about moi yeah my bad uh anyway i think that's probably enough on stealth to technology it is good though isn't it it is very good I can't believe how good the HD is. Like, it really surprised me. And it was like almost out of the three models, the opposite one to what I thought would be the best for me was, which I guess shows you why you should actually hit them all and like go get fit rather than just like picking one up that you think is going to be right. Yeah, there is that. But there's also on a track man, on a range, HD is going to look good in it. Yeah, what I happens? used it on the golf course as well, and it was the yeah. same. I, what uh, I, I used the Stealth 2 this weekend in my round of golf. And, um, I mean, having hit non-carbon face woods for however long, two months on repeat, um, it feels totally different, and it performs really good. It is like it, it's high. It launches high. It doesn't spin much. It just goes forever. And like what you said earlier, you feel like you can just smack it as hard as you can. You do feel like you can just smack it as hard as you can. Sorry, but you use Stealth 2, Stealth 2, not Stealth 2 HD. Correct. I use Stealth yeah. 2 on the course, but I use HD on the range, yeah. Yeah, so the point I was making that I think on sort of, what does Crossfield call it, dry ball testing, on range testing, um, it the, the sort of most forgiving, highest flying thing is going to look good, isn't it? It's going to, it's going to, make you feel good as well and you just wonder when you get out to gaming something gaming then well so i certainly would want to see something coming off pretty low um i just feel like you'd always gravitate back to the low spinning model really to play in our conditions perhaps it depends how you hit it jack hits a little bullet so any extra heights will win this again brilliant <laughs> So emasculating for him. <laughs> yeah, I could. Use, I, I I put in my article that if I was gonna, I mean, I would never ever put a draw bias club into play until I hit the HD because it didn't really go left on me. It just sort of went really high with a draw. Um, but as like you say, I think I'd have to use it on the course to get comfortable with it because I think even the fa- just because it says HD on the bottom, I think it still sort of freaks me out that I'm gonna hit a snapper. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can see both sides. The other side of it, though, I was thinking, the fact it says HD on the bottom, do you not think you might try and get right inside it so at least it starts right? That's what I was thinking. None of these things make any difference, do they? No. Anyway, they're all good, aren't they? And it, I think what our sort of debate about which one you would choose to game probably speaks to you need to play with one for a bit, get fitted, all the rest of it. And go to our YouTube channel and watch the review on them all. Yeah, and you can decide for yourself. Um, So on the whistle of launch, we'll have uh, an introduction to the irons, an introduction to the entire Stealth 2 metal 
range of driver on the YouTube channel. And on our website, nationalclubgolf.com, we'll have written reviews of each of the different iterations of fairway metal, driver metal, carbon um, woods. Carbon woods, all right, carbon woods. And uh, irons. Hybrids. Oh, and hybrids. And hybrids. Everything. We don't have all the hybrids yet, but we have we? hit one of them. Okay. And there is a review of it, but it doesn't exist yet because you haven't written it yet. I've written it. I've done have one. That's written it. So we're all okay. good. And then um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear uh, from we're going to hear from Tomo again about marginal gains in golf clubs and how much difference small uh, differences make in materials and thicknesses and weights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we're going to hear from a guy called Mike Fox, who's the tailor-made ball R and D specialist, and that'll be in a couple of weeks. Yes, because they have new golf balls coming out. Are we allowed to say that? Are we allowed, are we allowed to say that? Well, as long as we don't say what they are, it's fine. Tony Maid have got new golf balls coming out, but we can't tell you what out. they are. <laughs> uh, so if you could subscribe to our uh, podcast on whatever channel you choose to consume your podcast, that would be really helpful. Uh, this week's going to also see the return of From the Clubhouse. Me and Steve are going to talk about uh, can the average golfer afford the rates that premium golf clubs in this country are charging for a tea time. It's be an interesting conversation. What do you think, Jack? Do you think the average golfer can afford that? Absolutely not. Okay. It's going to be a short podcast then, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, I think you'll have to find another topic for the, for the other 49 minutes of your 50-minute podcast. Um, and yeah, do go and check out our website and our YouTube channel for all of this gear content. There's lots, lots more to come.